I'm exhausted now. <laughs> We've aired out all our grievances now. Let's yeah. move on L to... Let's move on to something. Technical levels. Forex <laughs> and crypto. Oh my God. <laughs> There's our intro. Let's look at technical levels in Forex and crypto and macroeconomic factors driving the stock market today. Hey, I've got some good news for you guys today. Wonderful. Let's hear it. Okay. So the good news is with the kind of stock moves that we have seen this week so far, we could be winding down the week with a gain. So the first weekly gain for U.S. major averages since March. So after eight weeks of Dow losses and seven weeks of NASDAQ and S&P losses, finally, we are set to close with a week higher uh, and that too on a long weekend in the U.S. So that would be a nice way to wind down the week for everyone. For sure. Uh, yesterday, the stock surged and surged pretty, pretty nicely with uh, strong weekly earnings. Dow was up 1.6%. S&P was up 2% and NASDAQ was up 2.7%. At the end of the day, yesterday, NASDAQ, was up 3.4% for the week, Dow was up 4.4%, and S&P was up 4%. So that's the weekly gains at the end of the day yesterday. Let's see awesome. what we are doing today so far. So Dow is up, and so are the other two averages. Dow is up 215 points, 0.7%. NASDAQ is up more than 2.3% or 280 points and S&P is up one and a half percent. So a nice follow through rally here, my friends, which points to a good market uh, sentiment here. I think investors are finally looking at the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think the economic data that came out of U.S. kind of helped a little bit too. So the Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation, uh, preferred measure of inflation is the personal consumption expenditure or the PCE index, which came out earlier this morning at 8:30, which showed that the index rose only 0.2% in April, down from March's gain of 0.9%. So that's the first sign of inflation slowing down in the U.S. at least for sure. And if that's happening in the biggest economy in the world, we're probably going to see some similar moves in other economies too, like UK and Canada, which have started raising interest rates to curb that inflation. So their data will tell us where their economies are going to, but that's a good sign that we are seeing uh, from U.S., coming out of U.S. For sure it okay. is. That's raising the investor sentiment, as I said with that weekly gain that we are seeing in the markets today. Looking at some of the other economies, Russia's central bank cut their interest rate from 14% to 11%. So they are citing slowing inflation as well. They had increased the interest rate earlier on because the war pushed their currency, the ruble, Russian ruble, to new lows against most of the other global currencies, most specifically the U.S. dollar, and they wanted to stop that slide. So now that 
Russian mm-hmm. ruble has stabilized a little bit. They are looking to cut the interest rate to prop up the economy as as such too, because with the war going on, so that again, that's it's a balancing act that right. the central banks have have to figure out between fighting inflation and choking their economic growth. So. It's a tight tight wire that most of the central banks have to walk. For now, though, the focus for most of the central banks is fighting inflation and not and the worry is not economic growth. I think the biggest problem for is for the European Central Bank because of the war in Europe. And that's why they kept the interest rates where they were in the negative territory, despite some of the other central banks raising interest rates. But as I said earlier in one of the earlier podcasts, they're big, they're they're going to start uh, raising interest rates as of July. So that's where ECB stands right now. Right. Staying on the topic of Russia, Russia is now sending a lots of oil to Asian markets. So they have diverted from sending most of its uh, export, which which was oil and gas from Europe to countries like China and India. Mm-hmm. The other countries are facing import sanctions, sanctions from Russia anyway, so they can't really do that. But China and in India have really shown some resistance to what uh, to the U.S. pressure of not buying any oil from uh, from Russia and China specifically. So. U.S. is kind of putting pressure on China. It's calling in its strategic partners like India, Japan, and South Korea, and they're trying to create a trading, a different trading zone in in that area to put pressure, put economic pressure on China to change its ways. How much that affects the Chinese economic policy remains to be seen, but Taiwan is certainly a pain point from China and has been for a very long time. And U.S. Secretary of State visiting Taiwan and reiterating its economic support and political support for the the island nation is certainly going to antagonize China further. We are going to see uh, more of these economic moves in the future as U.S. pretty much runs out of options how to control Russia in Ukraine. So that's uh, obviously going to have some impact on on the global economy and the US markets which will continue to dominate the headlines in the future. UK has uh, and to- staying on the topic of other countries and businesses. UK just introduced a 25% tax on oil and gas companies in that country and they're saying that Oil and gas companies have made a lot of profit recently with such high prices and with the consumers having to take the brunt of the prices, they are uh, putting that tax on those companies. So the revenue that they make from this tax, which they expect to be about five billion pounds, will finance a one-time payment of 650 pounds to eight million low-income families in that country. I think it's a pretty interesting move, something that maybe Canada or even U.S. could learn from, because especially Canada, I mean, paying more than $2 a liter for gas is uh, is really hurting the consumer sentiment and is really hurting uh, the budgets of people, especially people on fixed income. So something that could certainly right. be be looked at in uh, in the long run. Definitely interesting, but I have my serious doubts that Canada or U.S. 
the way the relationships the governments have with the oil companies, I highly doubt they're going to increase taxes yeah, on them and give it to the citizens. I'd love to see that happen. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, point well taken, actually. I mean, U.S. <laughs> with Canada having a huge export industry, which is dependent so much on oil, I don't know how much they could really do, but there should be some form of regulation with oil companies making billions and billions while consumers continue to pay. Yeah. I know, uh, you're right. Uh, how much of that really translates into a policy initiative probably remains questionable, but uh, I think that was a, that was certainly an interesting move from UK, though. And having said that, let's move on to what some of the other business news are. Twitter, one of the Twitter investors has sued Elon Musk, and he sued him really? because he says that he's... No surprise there. <laughs> Elon Musk is uh, manipulating the market to reduce the transactions, forty-four mm -hmm. billion price tag that that he put put on the company. Again, one of the hiccups that we are seeing in this acquisition deal that continues to twist and turn for for the social media company. We'll see how how that uh, pans out in the future. But that was uh, a huge. Mm -hmm news that came out yesterday and for apple we're seeing no apple is having some kind of trouble because uh, its uh, supplier in shanghai uh, had to face some kind of strike in its uh, in its factory because mm. of the covid outbreak because the workers there have been trapped in a bubble for two months and they have been um, working oh no uh, in in a bubble and uh, with that COVID zero controversial COVID zero policy in China that's creating huge mm -hmm. problems. So the sentiment really is souring in in China itself because of that COVID zero mm -hmm. policy that China is pursuing. It's uh, it's not really productive at all. Needless to say that it's uh, just having a huge toll psychologically and business wise and in all all other ways. So that might become become a supply chain headache for Apple going into the future. Let's see what the dollar index is doing here now. So the dollar index is basically trading currently at 101.60. Nothing much has really changed from yesterday. It still remains in a downward trend and the levels are pretty much the same that we discussed yesterday. I did post a chart for the benchmark index, which looks at long-term or medium-term levels. The 20-year high is still at 105.00, which would offer some kind of resistance in the future. Immediate first support would be at 101, and then there's, an, then there's a significant support between 99.50 and 99.80. So euro, let's let's look at what euro USD is uh, doing here. It's still in that bullish channel uh, in the daily chart. It pierced the resistance earlier uh, earlier uh, in the day. The resistance of one point zero seven three zero touched the one point zero seven five zero target, and it's now reversing back down to one point zero seven two zero on the top side. I would look for 1.0765 as the next target. And on the downside, if the weakness persists, we could be looking at 1.0680. The commodity currencies uh, have still gain, are still gaining 
against the greenback as the correction in the dollar index continues. The USD CAD is trading at 127.54 right now, just below its resistance of 127.65. And if that resistance gets penetrated, we could be looking at the pair jumping up to 127.85 and 128.00. If it fails at that resistance level, we could, could be seeing the pair going down back to 127.20 and 127.00 in extension. That's pretty much for Forex. Let's look at what cryptos are doing. And NASDAQ being up yesterday was a little bit of a surprise that cryptos didn't have a follow-through move at least yesterday. That mm. was kind of a surprise for me. Looks like your theory about decoupling now might be Yeah, I think that on its uh, way to on its on its way to be realized. Um thank you for reminding me that because I said that of I think a few sessions ago. So it's uh yep. Bitcoin is currently trading at twenty eight seven sixty four and it earlier touched it touched a low of $28,085. So it's uh, it's weakening, as I said, considering NASDAQ and all three U.S. averages have been up big time yesterday. And even today, they're looking pretty, pretty nice and solid and green. It looks that cryptos and Bitcoins specifically are beginning to decouple from the market sentiment. Levels remain pretty much the same from what what I said yesterday. I think Ethereum got was was weaker of the two since uh, in times of turbulence with the altcoin failure of Luna, I think uh, people are running to the safety of Bitcoin in, in, in the cryptos. So Ethereum is, is has weakened significantly from yesterday as well. It's trading at 1765 right now. The immediate resistance remains at 2139. Having said that, JP Morgan, one of the biggest US banks in, in the in the world and the biggest in US, has said that the fair price of Bitcoin is is about thirty-eight thousand dollars. So not not to say or suggest in any way that that's my target or uh, that's something you should be looking at, but that's an interesting perspective from coming out from the analysts of one of the biggest banks. And yeah, if J.P. Morgan says it, then that that means that's their target. So that's probably what we will realistically see. That could be a signal for the institutional investors to to really, you know, maybe mm -hmm. they're pointing to them to t taking up a position in that. Uh, again, we are not suggesting yeah. uh, this as any kind of investment advice. It's uh, Analysts don't necessarily have to be right all the time, as we've found out on so many occasions. No. <laughs> so we'll see the technicals, uh, technical levels as as they come, and we'll let you know where yeah. the, it's going next to the best of our ability. That's it. And to the best of our ability is, is literally yeah, all we exactly. can promise, because it seems like despite all your best preparations, it's... Still a crapshoot in the end. Yeah, markets all, always <laughs> have have a mind of their own, and that's what that's what yeah. we are seeing here as well. Having said that, they I do agree with with the banking uh, behemoth suggesting that it is massively undervalued. It is oversold technically, so there's there's no doubt about that. But mm -hmm. we really need to have a confirmation of a bottom to really say that okay, I think it's starting to rebound at some point. But with the with the general market sentiment turning green, 
um, cryptos are certainly lagging right now. So I would I would just wait for that confirmation before really taking up that advice in any way. We'll see how how things go as this as this green bullish momentum that we have seen in markets uh, persists or falters in the next week. Uh, but for now, investors seem pretty bullish, happy to go on a long weekend on on a good positive note. And hopefully, we could say the same about cryptos next week too. And that's my market wrap up. Awesome. Thanks, Fessel. Appreciate your market overview and uh, your insights and analysis as always. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your time and attention and hope that you got some very valuable information from our podcast. Please join us again on Tuesday as Monday will be a long weekend. You will hear from us on uh, May 31st. Thanks very much for listening. Happy trading and have a great long weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone.